This is Richard Shu, host of Shoe Untied. Today, I'm very pleased to have with me as my guest, Michael Rhodes, who's a partner at Cooley. Michael, welcome to the program. Thanks. Glad to be here. So, Michael, your expertise is obviously in privacy, uh, internet domain stuff. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you got into this area of law. Uh, like most people, I stumbled into it. Um, <laughs> eyes wide shut. Um, in the 90s, I had, I've been at Cooley a long time. In the 90s, I was doing a lot of software litigation, kind of copyright uh, stuff involving whether code body A devolved from code body uh, B or vice versa. And I don't know, toward the end of the decade, we got involved in the digital music space uh, with a number of companies. And then uh, one of my partners, Mike Jacobson, went to eBay uh, very early on. Oh, and right. Mike called me one morning with a case and said, do you want to pitch it? It was, it was classic uh, real-world experience in the sense that I got to call at 8, 8 a.m. Do you want to pitch a case at 9 a.m.? It'd be, yeah, send me the complaint if you don't mind. And uh, we took a look at it, and it had a, uh, an interesting internet issue in it, this uh, 230 Safe Harbor under the Communications Decency Act, which is an important business model for platforms that host content. And we pitched the case, and we got it, and we, we ultimately won the case. And that really kind of propelled me into the internet. And, and I realized that I just liked the area, and so I really concentrated over the last you know, 15, 20 years in that. Hmm. Now, are you a software programmer by training or anything like that? Uh, no, I have the, the incredibly valuable undergraduate degree in uh, American history uh, with a minor in literature. Uh, and like a lot of people in law, uh, that went to law school, I had no earthly idea what I would become. Uh, I had the idea of being Indiana Jones because I like to surf and you could go to Central America, work on the ruins, look dashing in those outfits, and then surf a lot. And of course, it turns out that when you get your PhD after seven years, you're working on a dig and about 100 people in the world care about what you're doing. And so I cut my hair and went to law school. So how did you then get into the privacy space? Did that also, was that a natural evolution? Or was there a specific catalyst that got that started? I, I think a lot of people that do this work for a long time find that the, the career path will meander a bit. And those of us who are good at it tend to have a, a good nose for where to follow. Um, so somewhere around 2007, 2008, I got a call from a guy that I'd worked with a lot at eBay who had joined a company called Facebook. Hmm. And they're for... Little known back then. Yeah, well, it was very small. <laughs> it was unprofitable um, and, and kind of controversial. I mean, we, we forget about social media, this idea of sharing all this information, uh, which is a digression on a digression. And it was a small class action, and, and we, they wanted to settle it, and I settled it very quickly. And then I didn't hear from them for about a year. And then I got a call about a year later on a case, uh, a big case that involved... Uh, privacy issues, and it was really sort of the first big privacy case that came out of these social networks. And that mm. case was is well known. It has a Wikipedia page devoted to it, and it would meander its way through the courts all the way to the Supreme Court. And even though the Supreme Court didn't take the case, the Chief Justice actually wrote an interesting statement in denying cert, saying at some point we're going to have to review the issue presented, which had to do with whether you could set up a settlement uh, in a way where you don't give money to the the class members. Hmm. And so that was really the first big privacy case that had come out of Silicon Valley, and I was associated with it. And so, like a lot of things, and I know you know this, if you've done one, you've become the expert. <laughs> and so I started doing a lot of these cases as a result of that. So is that how would you describe your practice now today? Is that pretty much privacy is your main focus, or do you still do other stuff as well? I do. I'm a, I'm a really a generalist who focuses on a certain type of client. So um, 
if you look at my current docket, I've got a trade secret trial in April for, for Facebook. I've got a patent trial for them in March. So I still do a lot of courtroom work, um, which was obviously the sort of the, the primary focus of my career for many years. But I do do a lot of privacy and data protection litigation, uh, class actions typically, FTC work, uh, advising companies. And I do a lot of you know other things. I'm about to file a Delaware case involving a dispute between a uh, Chinese manufacturer and a, a, a small video game company here. So, you know, all manner of things still come in. I, I would say that the commonality to it is the clients tend to be technology. They tend to be, you know, venture back that have grown. They tend to involve some form of internet commerce <clears throat> or business model or something that's sort of new and disruptive. I'm doing work in the virtual reality and augmented reality space, and those companies tend to, you know, follow the the uh, model of what I just articulated. So the way I think about my practice is I'm generally representing the leading edge of what a VC funded two years ago. Because it's a, that's sort of the life cycle, half cycle of these things, which is, you know, the VCs are always at the leading edge. It takes a couple of years for those business models to start bumping up into regulation or laws or have products and commerce that are going to be the grist for the litigation mill. Now, I was the co-chair of the, our privacy practice group when I was still a lawyer at Sherman Sterling. And when I talked to a lot of privacy practitioners, you know, they were really often very passionate about that topic. That's why they went into it. Would you say, would you, would you say that about yourself or what's your view about, you know, what's your feeling about that, that topic per se? Well, I'm passionate about what I do. I've always been fairly agnostic about the subject matter. Mm. Uh, it's more the problem. And the reason that privacy has become such an interesting area to be in from a litigation perspective is, you're traditionally dealing with a new and disruptive business model, something that really wasn't contemplated when the when the statutes that are at issue were passed. So you take, for example, uh, a wiretap case. I've done a lot of litigation for Google involving the automatic processing of, of email, which they call Gmail. And you think about when the law was passed, that's the backdrop of those cases, you know, 1986. And that's an era of directional, you know, micros uh, microphones and binoculars and a bug on a landline. And so what's interesting about the area is you're dealing with these very disruptive, very new business models and technologies that no one really thought about when the law was passed. And then you're trying to shoehorn those business models and technologies into the, the existing legislative or common law framework that's developed mm. over the years. So when you're talking about um, things like we're representing the Golden State Warriors in a case that involves their fan app and whether or not when you're close to the concession stand and you have their fan app, the, the signal that is sent to your phone is a proprietary signal called a beacon. And if you have their fan app open, it'll, it'll pop up and say, hey, buy Steph Curry's jersey today for 25 cents percent off when you buy a dog and a beer. Mm -hmm. No one thought about that kind of technology when they were passing these laws. And mm -hmm. I think that's what makes the area so interesting mm -hmm. is that you're kind of at this forefront of technology as it's bumping up against these, these older and sometimes antiquated notions of what privacy is. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look back at your 30-year career, do you have one or two cases or one or two clients or situations that, you know, what's sort of the most interesting or most complicated or really kind of stands out in your memory? When you look back at your career. If I were to encapsulate that, I mean, obviously, I, I identify deeply with my clients because I find what they're doing so interesting. Mm -hmm. But the two moments that stand out in my, in my mind are the first time I made a closing argument to a jury. I was very young. I was by myself. It was a wrongful termination case in Orange County Superior Court. The basic theory of the case was a guy had been fired for 
claiming that he had a right to a commission on everything the company did. And the morning of my closing argument, I got I woke up, and it was the day after the Rams had traded Eric Dickerson, at the time the best <laughs> running back in football, to the Colts for like a third or fourth round draft pick. And if you don't know football, what that may, basically says is you're taking a very good player and giving him away for very little. Uh-huh. And I then walked to court, and I stood in front of the jury, and I opened the sports page, and I asked them the rhetorical question, why would you trade the best football player uh, for very little. Yeah. And John Robinson, then the coach, gave the answer, which is no one individual is more important than the team. Yeah. And that was the theory of my case. And that taught me a very important lesson, which is you have to use what's right at your your hands and not get so deep into your case and your record that you forget mm-hmm. to connect with people about things that are going on in their, in their larger life experience. And then I would say 30 years later, almost, I was sitting in a courtroom in uh, – Eastern District of, Vir- of Virginia um, at the end of a patent trial a couple of years ago, and I was about to get up and give my closing. And the opposing counsel was a very fine lawyer uh, who had f- finished a very passionate closing, and I just sort of marveled at the fact that I was sitting in a courtroom. I'd never thought I would ever be in a place like this. I was representing Facebook, a magnificent company, and I was about to give a closing argument in a half a billion dollar patent case to a jury. And I just kind of took in the moment and said, gee, this is really some journey that I've been on from that first one to this one. And so I think that's how I think about my career today and not so much every case or what was the finest moment. Um, I will say that the, the, the wins are evanescent. They kind of come and they go, but the losses do stick with you a long time. Yeah, interesting. Now, you must work with a lot of young lawyers these days. What kind of advice do you give to young lawyers that are either starting their careers or want to get into litigation or privacy or IP? What, what advice do you give? You know, it's – I have a daughter who's a lawyer. She's like a fourth-year IP litigator. Yeah. Um, so I would sort of, I, I suppose, reprise some of the advice I gave her, which is – be a little pushy. Uh, I think it's it, when you come out of the law schools of the firms that you're talking to that we tend to recruit from, you're talking about the best young legal minds in the country. Mm-hmm. And what separates the wheat from the chaff at the end of the day are people that are very proactive about their careers. They take a real interest in it. And they don't just sit back and, you know, the first day, whatever file you get, that's what you're going to do for the next five years. And, and they manage their career. So I would, I would recommend the younger lawyers to be very active in communicating with the lawyers around them, including the very senior partners in the firm, who most of whom are very approachable in the end. I'm sure you've experienced this and will want to help them. And, and make sure that you're managing your career so you don't just end up doing by default what you sort of fell into on day one. Mm-hmm. Now, Michael, you've obviously had a very successful career. What about your future? Do you see yourself doing anything else, or you just want to keep doing what you're doing? What about your plans? Well, I've thought a lot about that recently because I never thought I would do this for more than 30 years. This is my <laughs> 33rd year of doing it. So, um, And my days of going to the North Shore of Oahu and becoming one of the most important surfers are certainly uh, in the rearview mirror. Uh, in fact, they were never there. Um, so I've thought about that to some degree. And so right now my current you know, path is to do what I'm doing because I still enjoy it. I still enjoy the clients that I'm working with. I still enjoy going to court. It's just something I've always enjoyed and feel very comfortable sitting in the well. I've had opportunities to do other things along the way, go in-house, do some other things. Um, so 
I don't have a very good answer for you. Mm. Do you have any specific kind of case or, you know, maybe a, a specific matter or a type of case that you haven't been able to work on that you would really like to be able to do before you finish your career? Not really. I, I mean, I've been a junkyard dog. and I've, I've had just about every case known to man. I mean, when I was younger, um, particularly in these really small offices that I started with Cooley, I'd started two different offices with Cooley, the Newport Beach office and the San Diego office. You know, your week would be Monday it was an employment case, Tuesday was securities, Wednesday was a patent case, Thursday was a lease dispute. And so I've done a lot of different kinds of things. I know what I don't like to do, put it, put it that way, but I won't mention the subjects. Well, Michael, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time. If you do decide to do something else, you'll have to come back and tell me about it. I will do that. Thanks. This is Richard Shu and Michael Rhodes. Thanks. Thanks.